and I want to thank Bishop and Pastor Kina for giving me this assignment moving forward series to stand before you guys and minister to you guys. It really is an honor. And to my church family, I thank you guys. To my family and friends that showed up and showed out, I appreciate you guys. Um, to my cohorts that came to support me, I appreciate you guys. To my husband, I thank you. And to my ministry wives club, I thank you guys for being present and showing up and showing out and bringing your husbands as well. I appreciate you guys. So for a second, Bishop already started, and he said to encourage your neighbor. So we're going to do that again. If you don't know the person next to you, I want you to ask their name. And if you do know them, address them by name. And I want you to tell them that you matter. Thank you for coming. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. And so now that everybody understands that they matter, I want you to take time to give yourself a hug and say that I matter. And then I want to say something that we say in Wives Club, thank you for becoming. Amen, amen. Dearly, Father, Lord, we thank you for being all-knowing. We thank you, God, for showing up in this place. We thank you, God, that your presence is here, God. I thank you, God, for each individual that pressed their way to this house, God. I thank you, God, for their faithfulness, God, in the name of Jesus. God, I ask you, God, that you touch each and every individual, whatever it is that they may have came in here with, God. I thank you, God, that you're meeting their needs, God. I thank you, God, that your spirit is heavy in this place, God. And because your spirit is heavy in this place, God, I thank you, God, that things will be burned away in the name of Jesus, God. Things that we need clarity on will be given, God. Things that we need answers to will be given on today, God. God, I thank you, God, that healing will take place in the name of Jesus. Jesus, God, your spirit is walking around in this room. So, God, we take a minute to just say, Abba, Father, we thank you. We thank you for being all-knowing, God. We thank you, God, for your presence being in this place, God. I thank you, God, for testimonies, God. I thank you, God, for transparency, God. But more than anything, I thank you, God, for healing, deliverance, liberty, and freedom in this place, God. So, God, open up the hearts of your people, God. Make it a heart of flesh, God. Open the ears of your people so we can hear your word, God. And give us clarity. Give us insight and remove every scale off of our eyes, God. And we bless your holy name in Jesus name that we pray amen 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 can we stand for the reading of the word we will be in Mark chapter 5 verses 25 and if you don't have it it's okay it's going to be on the screen <sighs> thank you father thank you father You guys have it? A woman in the crowd has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She has suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jumping down to verse 34, and he said to her, so that's Jesus, Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. 
Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Amen. And I want to continue with our series moving forward, and I'll be speaking on the subject of moving forward in spite of limitations. So last December, um, my husband and I were blessed to give birth to a beautiful baby girl. And today she is seven months, so my baby is growing. And she has two teeth, so I'm very excited about that. Um, but giving birth to her was a beautiful process, and I remember I had my mom and my dad and my husband in the room, and I remember the nurses um, encouraging me as soon as I pushed her out to make sure that I had skin-to-skin -skin contact. Now, the weird thing about this is I thought by reading and doing my research that they would take the baby and get clean. No, that's not it. They actually just took the baby, wrapped her up, and threw her on me. So I'm like, oh, God, what is this? So I'm looking at her, and I'm like in awe. I'm crying. My mom just puts her hands on top of the baby. And I'm looking at her, and I want to know why they were so serious about this skin-to-skin -skin contact. I didn't understand it. And Danielle, if you have the picture, you could put it up. But in um, labor and delivery room, they said, hey, I want you to do skin-to-skin -skin contact. So remove your robe and allow the baby to come in as well. After we did the skin-to-skin -skin contact, they encouraged from three to four, we'll be visiting hours just for the parents. And so this is the picture. Guys, this is me and my baby. Um, and this is really important. I know this might not be important to you guys, but it's very important because after asking my questions and getting clarity on what skin-to-skin -skin contact was, the nurse gave me knowledge. I knew it had something to do with um, embracement and bonding with the baby, but I didn't understand the fullness. So as you can see, the baby is skin to skin. She's laying her head on my chest. And so the nurse came and she said, do you have questions? I said, yes, I have questions. I want to understand why you guys are so serious about this skin to skin contact. And she said, well, to be honest with you, there has been studies shown that when you do skin to skin contact, there's benefits to it. So not only does it regulate the baby's heartbeat, but it can remove pain from the baby. It can enhance the communication between parents. So if I were to die, Lord forbid, and my husband were to step in, the baby will bond with Jerry. And so then their communication level will be strong. But it can regulate the mother's temperature and also the baby's temperature, and it can help, um, help the infant grow. But there is a flip side to this theory as well. And the research, she said, I said, okay, well, if I don't do that, then what happens? She says that if I don't give the baby attention, if I don't give her love now, I could talk to her, I could speak to her, but if I don't bond with her and put her on my chest, um, and this physical affection does not, it's a lack of it, it could resume in death. And so I thought she was lying, but I did my research, and it's true. If a baby's properly nourished, the baby can be talked to, but if the baby never has touched, the baby can die. Say to yourself, it's something about a touch. The woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood. And so I want to rewind a little bit, and I want to actually take it to her day. And I didn't have my little scrubs on, but I'm going to just be barefoot before you guys. But I want to rewind, and I want you guys to get the back history on the woman with the issue of blood. So the woman with the issue of blood, it says in our text that she had been bleeding for 12 years, right? Not three to five days for all my women in here, but for 12 years, okay? And we see in verse 26 that she spent all of her earnings on everything that she had. So not only was she bleeding with this issue, but she spent everything that she had. 
and she went to the doctor, she went to the, visit, the, the doctors, and nobody could help her, right? Now, if I could be honest, I'm going to talk about Didi. If I've been dealing with the issue even for six months, I'm going crazy. I'll be irritated. I don't want to be talked to, and you're telling me that I can't, I can't get healed? This doesn't make sense to me. So she's been dealing with this issue for 12 years. And not only has she been dealing with this issue for 12 years, when I did the backstory on the woman with the issue of blood, it goes deeper than this. Because in the Jewish law, she will be considered unclean, ritually unclean. And so what does that mean? So we can get clarity and insight on it. It means that she would have been separated from society. So not only was she bleeding for 12 years, but she couldn't be in this congregation. And so if I could go to what I want you guys to see, because I'm a believer of the word and I'm a believer of actually knowing for myself. So I'm going to read it to you guys. You guys don't have to turn there. But it's in Leviticus 16, verse 25. It says, if a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period or the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean. As during her menstrual period, the woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. This is in the Bible. I'm not just saying that, okay? Um, and if any of you touch these things or touch her, you will be ceremonially unclean as well. You must wash your hands and bathe yourselves in water, and you will remain unclean until the evening. So think about it like this. If she was in here, she couldn't sit next to you because then you'll be contaminated. She couldn't sit in that chair because now we have to throw the chair away because we can't wash it. So not only was she left with this issue, but she was left to be alone and abandoned. So going back to the picture and the skin-to-skin -skin contact, I wonder what her mental capacity was like to be left alone 12 years, sitting by herself, no contact, no, nobody's talking to her. And I'm pretty sure before this issue, I'm pretty sure she had family. I'm pretty sure she had friends, but it was the law. They have to be removed. So what does that look like? Now I'm alone and I have to face my issues by myself. And I have to look at myself and I have to say, dang, wow, I'm bleeding for 12 years. And if I put myself in that position, wow, I have unforgiveness. Wow, I'm a liar. Wow, I have hardness of heart. Wow, I'm a drunk. Wow, I'm anger. 12 years of bondage, lust, lack of faith, malice, depression. And I'm left by myself, by myself with no touch. How heavy would this be? So the mental capacity. That means that I will literally be dying. So not only am I bleeding out, but I'm dying. I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. And her issue actually took all this away. She, it took all her family, her friends, and everyone away. So my question I have for you today is how many of us have been stripped away because uh, we allow issues to keep festering? That's something to ask ourselves. So I ask again, how many of us have been stripped away because of an issue we allowed to keep on festering? So she, it wasn't an issue that she said, I'm going to hold on to. She didn't say, I'm going to hold on to unforgiveness, malice, you know, anger, bitterness. But she literally had a problem that actually took her away from society. But isn't that like us in 2018? We have issues and we separate ourselves. We separate ourselves by choice. How many times have we disconnected ourselves simply because we didn't want the help? Didn't want to ask for help, that's pride. Or better yet, we masquerade our issues to fit in the crowd. So the crowd, we're going to talk about the church, the body of Christ. So we become stagnant and complacent, which leaves us not being able to move forward, correct? If I could put the tag on this woman, I would say that she was very persistent. She knew that touching someone could risk everything. She knew that if she touched him, he could be contaminated as well. But I'm pretty sure that she weighed all her options. She realized, hey, I have no money. 
No one else can help me. Nobody wants to help me. I have no friends, and it's only me. So out of desperation, she pressed. But as crazy as that may seem to others, what if you spent all your money? What if you were left alone, couldn't pay rent, couldn't pay the car note, didn't have any food in your refrigerator, and you're left by yourself? Out of desperation, what would you do? You would press your way, right? You actually get down and dirty and just say, hey, I need some help. Hey, I need some help. I don't care what it looks like, but hey, I need some help. And so in those moments, I think that we need to be like the woman with the issue of blood, and we have to be desperate. We have to be vulnerable. We have to be bare before God, because that's what she did. She risked everything. We don't know what could have happened to that lady, but she stopped and she said, listen, I've dealt with me. I've dealt with this. I went to everyone and no one could help me, so what's my next bet? Wow, that's heavy. That's real heavy. But it's just like us. We're not like the one with the issue of blood. We look at our situations and we, we play the victim role. Wow. We play the victim role. Wow, I'm a liar. Wow, I have unforgiveness. Wow, nobody wants to help me. I'm a drunk. I have anger. I have a lack of faith. I have malice. 12 years of bondage, three years of bondage, whatever your bondage and your limit is, this is what we do. So we're not like the woman with the issue blood, but we sit and we masquerade in church. Then we go home and we look at ourselves and we see something else. But what happens is, I'm going to speak about Didi. What happens is, is what we do is we look at ourselves, we come to church, and we say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, God, you're worthy. And just like right now, Miles was open and transparent and vulnerable, and he said, this is what I'm going through. We don't do that. We don't do that. Because now he can receive the help that he needs, right? But what we do is we go like this, Donita, I need some help. Listen to me. And I pour out on Donita, and Donita can't help me. Then I go to Danielle, Danielle, I need some help. Listen to me. And I keep on going. I keep on contaminating. I keep on contaminating. I keep on contaminating. I keep on contaminating. I keep on contaminating because I never look at myself in the mirror and say, hey, let's deal with the real issue. So guess what I do? I bleed on people. Stop bleeding on people. Stop bleeding on people. People cannot help you. If they're not called to you, they cannot help you. And to the people that are listening and open up their ears, shut up. Shut up because all you're doing is you're just letting people bleed, bleed, bleed. But we don't give them gauze. We give them a Band-Aid for a bullet wound. How does that work? How does that work? How does that work? How does that work? So again, I want to tell you, this is you. This is me. This is us. We're not looking at anyone else, okay? Agreed? No, that's not everybody, so that means y'all still looking at everybody else. This is you. This is me. This is us. So we're going to focus on us and not everybody else today. Agreed? Agreed. Okay, so just like the woman with the issue of blood, she dealt with these things. She dealt with the lies. She dealt with the lust. She dealt with the anger. But I wonder what her mindset was like. I wonder what her mindset was like. So worship was good this morning, correct? Yeah. It was awesome. And let me tell you the crazy part about this is we were worshiping, right? But what happens if the woman with the issue of blood was here? Where would she fit in? I'm trying to figure it out. Because the Jewish law said that she would be ritually unclean if she stepped foot in the place with people. So I'm only trying to imagine where would she be? 
Can someone tell me? Nobody knows, right? Because it tells us in our text that you can't be touched. Anything that you touch will be thrown away. You have to be washed and then you will too be unclean. So we're talking about the woman with the issue of blood, but today we're going to look at us. So during worship, we had a good worship service this morning. There was a girl by the name of Deanna. Deanna was in this place. Deanna actually worshipped, at least she tried to worship. She went through the doors. Lady Kay probably greeted her and didn't see the weights on her because she came in here with a mask. And I'm not lying, this really happened. So she came in here with a mask and no one knew what she looked like, correct? And so while she's sitting in the presence of God, Jesus was in this room and I know that if I touched the hem of his garment, I could be made whole, but she couldn't touch him because she had this mask on. How can we be move forward with mask on our face? How can we move forward and get the help that we need if we're not vulnerable and bare before God and his people? So Deanna came into this place and she tried to worship. And guess what? Her lemons popped out. Her issues started to pop out. She started to look real funny. Yeah, depression started to sink in. And she was like, hey, I come to this church Sunday after Sunday and I cannot ask for help. Because I don't know how to be vulnerable with people, right? So this woman, Deanna, during worship, I was actually looking at her. Deanna, where are you? I was looking for you. And I actually saw you worshiping because I know you. And you have weights on you. And you could not worship. And it's funny how we can sit in God's presence and the healer's in the room and we can't even raise our hands. That's heavy. We come Sunday after Sunday leaving undelivered, unhealed, just because of our choices of not wanting to be bothered. We don't want accountability. We don't want the help. So now we put on everybody else. We put on Bishop. Bishop, I didn't get the word. Bishop, you didn't preach for me. No, he preached, but you didn't receive. So Deanna, right? Y'all thought I was lying? She's really here. Deanna sat back here, and she was bound. But she came in here with a different outfit on. But when she came in here, she had limits. And it's just like us. We go through life, and we look crazy. We go through life and we put on masks in the church instead of being bare and vulnerable. This is what true vulnerability looks like. This is what it looks like to move forward. She's wearing her issues. She was bound. Why? Because she wasn't real the moment she walked through the door. Lady Kay greeted her with a hug. She said all was well. Isn't that like us? Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm okay. How are you good when you're a drunk, you love boasting, you love complaining, you're a liar, you love division, you love envy, woe is me. <laughs> you the victim all the time, God help her. Unforgiveness, impur impurity, failure in the past, hardness of heart, loss of time, abuse. So what if she was honest with Lady Kay? What if she was honest with the doorkeepers? What if she was honest with us? And so this is what it looks like. She sat back there, and this is what she looks like. Deal with yourself. Deal with yourself. 
And so this is what it looks like when we come into the house of God and we're not honest. And I feel like there's a lot of depression going on in the church. There's a lot of heaviness going on. But it's in moments like this when you have a point of contact and people are not honest. My charge to you was to be honest. Be honest because she was sitting next to someone and somebody could have helped her. But they couldn't because she wasn't honest. The beautiful thing about this is this. She came in here heavy. She came in here with abuse, hardness of heart, bound, just like the one with the issue of blood. But I'm pretty sure she has to face her reality. She has to face her reality. And we're going to pause here. I'm going to speak about myself. Two years ago, I told you guys this morning that something was very special to me, correct? Two years ago, um, I lost my sister. And I lost my sister. And I'm going to be real transparent with you guys because we're talking about honesty. I was very upset with my sister when she passed away. I was mad at her. I kicked her out of my wedding. And I didn't talk to her for a year. I talked to her three days before she passed away. And it was because I wanted her to take a picture with me for my wedding. My sister passed away on 4th of July. Never did I get to say, hey, please forgive me for my ugliness. Please forgive me of how I talked about you. I never had that moment of reconciliation because of pride. Because of pride. So now I'm walking around with unforgiveness and now my sister's gone, right? And as crazy as it seems, I'm going to say this. I used to post stuff about her. And I had a lady actually challenge me, and I'm not going to lie, my flesh rose up because she challenged me on a post about me going back to school. And I made this long, woe is me, oh, I miss you. And that's good, I get it more. But when you start going through the signs of depression, you need to be dealt with. And so I'm going to say this, this lady commented on my post, and she said, hey, wake up. She didn't say it like that. I don't know how she said it, but that's how I received it. She's like, hey, wake up. Stop playing the victim. Stop feeling bad about things. Your sister wouldn't want you like this. You're depressed. Stop, woe is me. Deal with it. Face it. And move on into what God has for you, because I'm pretty sure your sister wouldn't want you here depressed, correct? And so today, the reason why I said it's so special is because today, two years ago, was the day that we buried my sister. And not only am I happy and I have joy, but I'm not depressed. And so I think that that's a moment of vulnerability connecting, and asking people to actually hold me accountable. So, Donita, I really want to thank you for challenging me because you challenged me and you called out the ugliness. Even when I was ugly, you said no, like she wants better. So I thank you because today I'm whole. I can honestly say that I'm whole, and I appreciate you. So to deal with this, just like I was vulnerable with you guys, there's three things that you guys have to do to move forward. Number one is face your reality. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, her reality was she was bleeding for 12 years. She can't fake that. She can't say, this is not me. That is her reality. So what is your reality? The moment when you're honest with yourself and you deal with the real you, then that's when freedom, liberty, and total deliverance could take place. Because if not, all we do is we masquerade how we really are. Just like Deanna, she came into this place and she looked real pretty. But if she would have came in here like this, looking at the mirror, and saying, I'm going to face my reality during worship. I'm going to face my reality. I'm going to deal with my insecurities. I'm going to deal with everything. She will be free. Number two, I want you to faith it until you make it. Somebody said, faith it until you make it. No matter the limit, 
no matter the issue, no matter what is going on presently in your life, I want to encourage you that you could faith it until you make it. It's not lying. It's just dealing with my faith. I need to grow my faith. And the crazy thing about this whole thing is we like to activate faith when our plans don't work. Let's switch it up. We got to switch it up. We got to do things in reverse. Let's actually faith it until we make it and have the, the mindset to press despite of what it looks like. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, she had to press. Just like Deanna, what if she came here literally like this? What if people actually come into the house looking like this? How will we deal with them? How will we deal with them? We come here Sunday after Sunday, heavy, heavy, heavy. We leave heavy. We come back heavy. And we're not seeing the manifestation of God. Why? He's here. It's not him. It's us. Say, this is about us. It's about us. It's about us. And number three, number three is going to be run with the promise. God's promises are yes and amen. And his word cannot return to him void. And so even with that, that's something that you can do. If God gave you a promise, you're not a liar. So you have to start denouncing these things. Let me turn it this way. You're not a liar. I'm not a liar. I'm whole in Jesus' name. I don't have hardness of heart. God made my heart a heart of flesh. I am forgiving. I don't hold on to unforgiveness. I'm not in 12 years of bondage because God is free. God is, is my healer. He is my strength. I don't have to deal with anger. I don't have to resort to drunking, to drink. I don't have to do those things because God is sovereign and he will heal me from all these things. I don't have to deal with lust in a corner because God is sovereign. I don't have to deal with lack of faith because what I can do is actually get in my word and know more about my father and then my faith will increase correct God is sovereign so number one what is number one ah, y'all listen okay number two I love y'all and number three I love you guys I love you guys so I want to read this scripture to you and I'm gonna let you guys go so I told you about the Jewish law, correct? Listen to this. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us come boldly. Let us come boldly. Let us come bare. Let us come vulnerable to the, the throne of grace. For our God is gracious. There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. So today I want to encourage you that God is sovereign. Not only is he sovereign, but we don't live in the old days. We don't live in the Jewish law. We don't deal with that. We don't have to deal with high priests that think they're too high so we can't actually touch them. But we deal with a God, a Savior, who will get down and dirty with us and say, hey, Deanna, talk to me. Daughter, I love you. Daughter, you're more than that. Daughter, you are not the victim. Daughter, talk to me. So if you're in here today, I want to encourage you that you could be bare before God. You could be vulnerable. And this is the start of something new. This series is not for anything. It's for something. So if we're going to move forward to all that God has for us, we have to first be honest with ourselves. We have to be bare before God. We have to understand his word and get in his word. Stop coming to church trying to feed and eat and eat and eat. Eat at home. You're supposed to come in here. You're supposed to serve. But we come here on Sundays just to eat. Why? This should be the dessert. We should be eating Monday through Saturday on that good steak with some barbecue 
and some baked potato with butter and cheese and chives. Amen. But not coming in here saying, hey, Bishop, feed me. Feed me. Feed me. Why do we do that? Why do we come here? Because we don't deal with the true us. Once we're delivered, once we're set free, this stuff will be taken off. This stuff will come off and then she'll be able to be free in his presence. Amen? So again, number one, you have to do what? Number two, you have to do what? And number three, you have to do what? Again, number one, you have to? Say it again. Number two, you have to? And number three, you have to? Amen. And I pray that there's something in this message that pricks your heart. And although it was short, although things were different, I will say this. I need you guys to take a moment and introspectively look at yourselves. Because we don't do this just for show. We don't do this just because it sounds good or looks good. I'm a learner that learns by vision, by seeing. So this is why I did it this way. Because there might be some learners in here that has to see to get it. But for you all, I want you to take a minute and stop and look at yourself. Don't say it out loud, but literally introspectively look at yourself and see what is my limit. It might not be the woman with the issue of blood, but what is your issue? What is holding you back from fulfilling the call that God has on your life? Why are you stagnant? Why are you complacent? Deal with that. And I pray that this blesses you. Amen. Amen. Amen.